I'm Dr. Irene Pastis. I'm a clinical assistant professor with the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine. And we have Dr. Daniel Majorowicz here with us. He's a third-year internal medicine psychiatry resident at East Carolina University. And on today's podcast, we will be covering lamotrigine. Dr. Majorowicz. Hi, how are you today, Dr. Pastis? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. I look forward to hearing some more about lamotrigine today, and I think we can start by covering the history. Absolutely. So lamotrigine was initially synthesized in the 1980s, and the idea was getting a better anti-epileptic drug that could treat a variety of conditions and having less side effects. It was actually first approved in Ireland in 1990, and the U.S. FDA approved lamotrigine in 1994 for the adjunct of epilepsy. But during these early trials, they found that patients had improved mood and increased communication. They thought there could be a role in the psychiatric realm. And beginning studies showed, this is around the mid-1990s, there might be some efficacy in treating mania and hypomania as well as depression. But further double-blind control trials, usually in the late 1990s, early 2000s, did not show that much of a benefit, especially with acute mania. And it didn't really separate placebo. However, during the prophylaxis trials in the beginning of the 2000s did show some more benefit, especially with depression. And so it was FDA approved in 2003 for the maintenance treatment of bipolar disorder, and that's really where we use it in psychiatry. Exactly. And so that's important to emphasize that it's not a great medication for treating acute mania but it can be a great option for maintenance of patients with bipolar disorder. And it also has shown some efficacy in rapid cycling patients as well. Well, we could review some brand names and formulations of lamotrigine. Absolutely. So the most common brand name that you'll hear is Lamictal. That's what we use here in the United States. And lamotrigine comes in various formulations, including tablets, uh, chewable tablets, and orally disintegrating tablets, or the ODTs, for folks that have difficulty swallowing. And it's always a good option to have that available, a chewable or an ODT. Well, good. Would you be able to tell us some more about the pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamic properties of lamotrigine? Absolutely. So lamotrigine is rapidly absorbed, and you get peak plasma concentrations in about 2 to 4 hours. The half-life is about 25 to 33 hours, but this is increased when valproic acid is used, and so that can push it up to 48 to 70 hours. And that's a really important clinical effect to notice, um, that Depakote doubles the levels, and so it's important to monitor lamotrigine during this time. Its metabolism is through gluconeuronic acid conjugation, it doesn't go through the cytochrome P450 system, and it is renally excreted. Of note, especially during pregnancy, estradiol upregulates uridine diphosphate gluconeuronal transferase, and this is the main enzyme that catalyzes lamotrigine. And so you may have to increase lamotrigine during pregnancy, and it's important to reduce that dose in the postpartum period. In terms of the mechanism, it's not completely understood in terms of its benefit in bipolar disorder, but it seems to inhibit voltage-gated sodium channels, antagonizing calcium channels, and may increase brain levels of N-acetylaspartate, um, as well as having some anti-glutamate action. Right, and a point to emphasize is its interaction with Depakote, as we'll talk about some more later. Uh, since Depakote can double the levels, as well as the half-life of lamotrigine. Well, good. 
I think we can review some dosing strategies. Absolutely. So if you're using lamotrigine by itself, for the first two weeks, you can start at 25 milligrams, and then you increase it to 50 for the next two weeks. During week five, you can hit 100 milligrams. And after that, you can hit the, the maintenance dose of 200 milligrams daily. But again, if you're using it in the setting of valproic acid or Depakote, it's important to reduce this titration by dose and time. Meaning, in the beginning, instead of doing the 25 milligrams every day, you can cut it down to every other day. And then you get to a maximum dose of 100 for the maintenance dose. And the flip side is also there. So if you have enzyme-inducing drugs, you can start them at higher doses and go for a higher maintenance dose. And that's a, that's a good point. Since you do not want to increase the motrogen dose rapidly, since that's when you run into side effects. So you have to be very cautious with the titration of lamotrigine. That's a good point. Absolutely. And something to consider in pregnancy as well is consider getting a baseline level prior to conception because you can also check the serum lamotrigine levels every four weeks or so and adjust the dosages. Again, estradiol does decrease lamotrigine levels, and so you may have to increase it throughout pregnancy. But post-delivery, um, uh, post it's important to taper down the dose. Those are all good points. Let's talk about some of the indications and clinical uses of lamotrigine. Absolutely. So the FDA indications include for epilepsy, uh, either as monotherapy or adjunctive therapy, and as we discussed, for maintenance treatment of bipolar 1 disorder. Again, we can use these in other situations, but one place we commonly use in psychiatry is for borderline personality disorder, uh, even without a primary mood disorder. That's a good point, and there is some literature backing that and supporting that medication option at this point. And uh, let's talk about labs and clinical monitoring that's involved with uh, lamotrigine. Absolutely. So when we talked about lithium and we talked about valproic acid, we talked about the importance of getting serum levels and monitoring for efficacy that way as well. But there really is no clear correlation between serum lamotrigine levels and mood outcomes. That being said, prior to pregnancy, as we discussed, it might be important to get a level just to see how you can titrate it over time. And there are not a lot of contraindications when using lamotrigine other than the main one, which is? Correct, just the hypersensitivity of the drug or the ingredients, which you see for pretty much every drug. Exactly. But let's talk about some of the important side effects to monitor, since some of them can be very dangerous. Absolutely. So the black box warnings and one of the biggest things we're testing on are the life-threatening rashes. These include Stevens-Johnson syndrome, toxic epidermal necrolysis, and the drug reaction with eosinophilia and systemic symptoms, or DRESS. And these usually occur within two to eight weeks of treatment initiation, so it's important, important to monitor patients during that time. But I have note, you can develop a rash within the first five days of initiation, and if that's the case, it may not be one of these life-threatening rashes, and so you can consider giving an antihistamine or topical corticosteroid. Monitor them closely and see if they develop any further symptoms. But if they persist or if there's any mucosal involvement, it's important to stop the medication immediately. Some other serious reactions include blood dyscrasias, such as neutropenia, thrombocytopenia, pancytopenia in general. And there was an FDA warning in 2018 that came out for hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis. So it's important to monitor for those symptoms as well. 
There was also an FDA-approved warning in 2021 for arrhythmias, and so for folks that have severe cardiovascular history, it's important to monitor them as well. But some common reactions you might see include nausea, abdominal pain, some of that GI distress that we see with other mood stabilizers as well. You can get fatigue. And again, neurologically, you can see things like dizziness and headache. But overall, compared to the other ones that we discussed, including valproic acid, this is more weight neutral. And so this could be a good option for folks that are concerned about gaining weight. And unlike lithium, in overdose, this doesn't have that severe toxic effect. So it seems to be a little bit more safer. Additionally, it seems to be a little bit more safer in pregnancy as well. There's a lower risk of congenital malformations, including neural defects that we see in valproate or carbamazepine. That being said, there's still an incidence of cleft lips and palates, so it's important to monitor for that. These are all good points to review, and I think one point to make is that if your patient does develop this life-threatening rash, which is Steven Johnson syndrome or toxic epidermal necrolysis, you need to advise them to go to an emergency department right away, and they might even need a burn center, depending on the extent of the uh, skin involvement. Well, let's review some drug-drug interactions. Yeah, so of course the biggest one that we've been hinting at along is valproic acid. And again, this increases the plasma concentrations and the half-life of lamotrigine. So again, it's important to decrease the dose of lamotrigine when you're using valproic acid concurrently. Of course, anytime you're using any enzyme-inducing antiepileptics, such as carbamazepine, phenobarbital, phenytoin, it could increase the clearance of lamotrigine, and that will decrease the plasma levels. Again, oral contraceptives, estrogen, can decrease plasma levels, as we alluded to during pregnancy, you have to increase the levels of lamotrigine. And for primary care providers who are taking care of patients with HIV, or, uh, HIV protease inhibitors can also decrease lamotrigine levels, so it's important to monitor for that as well. Absolutely. Good points. Well, some topics to review with lamotrigine is that it's FDA-approved for bipolar maintenance, not mania. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mentioned about some of the dosing ranges and the peak plasma effects, which it reaches a peak plasma concentration in two to four hours, as you said. Absolutely. And again, one of the biggest things to monitor with patients is really the valproic acid. So monitor very closely with that and monitor for any side effects. And also remembering that it can be used for patients with borderline personality disorder uh, and that it has some serious side effects. And if you don't mind just reviewing the major side effects with us. Absolutely. And the biggest ones to monitor are, again, those uh, toxic epidural necrolysis or Steven Johnson syndromes or DRESS. Those are the life-threatening ones that you really have to immediately stop the medication and go to the hospital right away. But overall, safe medication and safe and overdose, too. Okay, well, thank you so much, Dr. Majorwich. Absolutely, thank you.